wide, but anyway, I'm hoping they will enjoy what they listen to, and it's something that they will, uh, will listen to. All right, I'm going to go to, the time is uh, uh, 6 o'clock right now. Uh, we are going to go to um, uh, part one of Civil Rights Activist, uh, uh, Mr. H.B. Williams. We hope you enjoy the broadcast. We will cut our mics off, and then we will be carrying on the program. Again, welcome. The radio call-in number again is one six one nine six two nine four six three four three four seven two zero two zero three one seven or seven one three nine five five zero four six four. Enjoy the broadcast. This is going to run fifty minutes. Uh, we're not going to have any commercials. Uh, then we're going to go to part two, uh, which will run twenty-one minutes. We got a total of seventy-one minutes of uh, listening time. So enjoy the broadcast. You're listening to House of Gospel Broadcast Radio. Coming from 231 6th Avenue, down south in the big city of Beatrice, Alabama. Call America. Mr. William, Ms. William, welcome to House of Gospel. And this is a historic day. Um, I was telling you all before we got started that I should have taken this opportunity with Mr. Ezra Cunningham, but um, God did not see fit. But I said to myself, I would not allow that to happen with you, Mr. Williams and Ms. Williams. Good evening and welcome. You all can start back as far as you want to go, uh, Mr. Williams. Your first coming to this community and uh, your relationship with the NAACP, uh, all the organizations that you've been associated with for years and years. Uh, again, welcome. Thank you, Fred. I guess, first of all, I would start back probably before I was directly involved in any civil rights activities. Uh, a good friend of mine and all of ours, and Papa Chat, who was the father of the civil rights movement in this kind of state, Gerald Cunningham. Charles, who was a nephew, I believe, of Elvin, and I were classmates, schoolmates at Alabama State. And my first association with Brother Cunningham was on weekends when we needed a ride home. The other would always come up and uh, pick us up in this county. And of course, then that necessitated a movement that I had to defend myself in a means of trying to recapture my position, uh, my employment. Uh, in this area, which uh, as a result of uh, assistance from Brother Cunningham and from uh, local organizations and some of the organizations that already existed, such as the NAACP, but then there was uh, organizations here in the county that uh, Cunningham was affiliated with, and which we organized uh, later on that was responsible for supporting me for 10 years uh, during the time that I was uh, unemployed, uh, directly unemployed, so far as the Board of Education was concerned. Okay, uh, Mr. Williams. Yes. Go back to um, um, the year, if you can remember, the year that you was employed over at uh, Monroe Intermediate now, which we call Packers Bend, across the river, to that it, when that first um, began, um, if you can remember that year, there are stories uh, written in newspapers. I have some of them on file here. But if you can, 
just recapture from what you said and go back to starting that that year, what year that that this was beginning. I know this uh, after schools were integrated, but um, go yeah. back to that year if you can recall that uh, year. My wife may have to help me out with some of these dates, but uh, I may go a little further back. I, I took just an overview. I taught about four years as principal at uh, Purdue Hill before that school was closed, and then I was transferred to Frisco City. I taught the class from there a couple of years, and after that time, I was transferred to Fredenburg, uh, where I started off at Tom Springs in '54. 1954. That was my first uh, employment at Tom Springs. Uh, after all that, then I was transferred over to a uh, little Peachtree, which I served until such time that I was, well, I mentioned very little. Mm -hmm. And Purdue Hill. Started at Purdue Hill, Frisco City, uh, Tom Springs, Dreadburg, and uh, then back to Little Peachtree as principal. Uh, I think my, basically, we may go to the point where I was finally dismissed as principal by the Board of Education uh, because of my civil rights activities, which were not so very much at that time, but uh, being affiliated with Ezra Cunningham, which was uh, very strong in civil rights movement, I automatically was branded as a civil rights activist. And of course, I had no objections to it because I knew that what was going on was rightfully what needed to uh, take place. And if we were going to ever overcome that problem, somebody had to step up and uh, help Mr. Cunningham, who had done a wonderful job in civil rights movements. And any time anybody was branded at that time as being in association with Elsa Cunningham, you became a hitman all of a sudden. And, of course, I was well aware of that when we took on this position. We didn't just start that way, but it started kind of accidentally. As I started off saying, I was in college at that time with his nephew, I think it's his nephew Charles. He used to come up on weekends and pick us up and bring us home free. So naturally we became uh, appreciative of the services that he was giving us. And uh, he didn't have to take us back. We could already get back on our own. Mm -hmm. But uh, every weekend, most weekends that we wanted to come, he was available to uh, get us home and back that we had to use him. He was very open-hearted, and we began to appreciate him as a leader and as a associate and even as a, a, a relative, because Charles was his nephew, and of course, he treated us both the same, so I began to think of him as an uncle of mine, just like Charles did. But this is basically what got me involved, because later on, Charles left the county. But uh, when I graduated from college and got a job here, I began to still affiliate and associate with Ezra because I recognized that what he was doing was worthwhile and it was certainly a, 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 something that was uplifting uh, my people, uh, not only in Monroe County, but in the state of Alabama and in the South. 
So uh, this is basically what uh, got me involved into the civil rights movement. And as a result of my affiliation with him, uh, and as I mentioned, that we started off teaching at Tunnel Springs. And of course, at that time, it was just not popular for a teacher or a person employed by the Board of Education to be active in the NAACP and other civil rights organizations. But at the same time, we never let that detour us because we knew the value of what those organizations could do toward moving our people forward. So we naturally participated, and of course, as expected, we eventually lost our job as a result of that. And uh, of course, we were out of the teaching business for 10 years, but we continued to uh, perform and work seriously with the uh, civil rights movement. And of course, we filed a suit against the Board of Education for the unemployment. And uh, after 10 years of unemployment, our suit was uh, considered and the court ruled in our favor. And of course, we were paid for 10 years, back pay, and re-employed and given a position as principal in Monroe County, which we served uh, diligently for the rest of our active time and we retired. Uh, as a principal in this county. And life in general was at first difficult. My wife and family was very close and we worked as a team and we were able to survive. She of course had a perfect job and helped and took care of one uh, of the obligations that we had. And we never, we fortunately, and thank God for that, we never lost any property or any forms or anything that we had so far as making a decent living was concerned. And we had owned a couple of houses and lots, which we still maintain until this date. And it was a blessing from God and assistance from our friends, and organizations, especially in WACP, uh, B10, Alabama New South, and all the other organizations that we have been affiliated with that kept us above the water. And we're grateful for our opportunity to have had an opportunity, rather, to uh, work with Brother Cunningham because he was truly uh, the backbone of the civil rights movement in Monroe County in particular. Um, Ms. William, um, in your relationship uh, being supportive of Mr. William, give us a little taste of um, what that was like to know when that uh, dealing and fighting the issues of civil rights. Uh, I'm going back to um, Mr. H.B. William, uh, third from the left here in the picture, um, where he was uh activist in the first uh, civil rights uh civil rights uh, uh NAACP organization here at Monroe County. That was back in nineteen sixty-three. Being supportive of him and his endeavors and what he was out there doing, tell us a little bit about what that was like so far as in the family structure and 
keeping the kids and, and, and knowing that he was out there on that road or, or dealing with situations where our white brothers was not pleased at what he was doing. Going back to those days, I say, it wasn't easy. It was never easy. But we had a close relationship with God. That was, I guess that that was the main thing, the main issue that kept me strong and our family strong because all of this was going on. Yes, we had to tell our children these things was happening, but they didn't understand it. But they stood with us too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It was very fearful and scary. A lot of people don't believe that because working with civil rights is a dangerous game to me. And and you don't know when they're coming after you. The one thing that came to my mind, but we stuck we stuck together. We had to we had to stick together because it was a promise that whatever my husband went through, we had to live through it. Whether we 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 done without a lot of things, of course, you know. But that was part of the the movement. Mm-hmm. We had to suffer. Yes, we did. It wasn't easy. But like he was saying, we, we had a lot of good friends that came to our rescue and helped us while we were going through our struggle. And our parents was right there for us, too. And that's, one, that's another thing that really helped us, that they were there for us. Mm-hmm. They never turned their backs on us. They were scared like everybody else, you know. But in um, our overall, we uh, we discussed it. We we had to discuss a lot of times. I was not told of things that was happening, but sometimes I get it from other people. Mm-hmm. But then I had to, you know, ponder it in my heart, as the Bible said, until it blew over. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that kept us there, we knew that one day mm-hmm. this thing would be over, which it will never be over now, you know, because it's still moving today. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like it's getting it's worse, but we are not by ourselves anymore. But like everybody's involved in this movement thing, so we stay, we hanging in there trying to, and, and we have had a lot of prayers and Stand on God's side, mm-hmm. and that's what kept me strong. Mm-hmm. In 1950, in 1950, when the state of Alabama outlawed the NAACP, mm-hmm. can either one of you, uh, especially you, Mr. William, talk about that? The fact that you all had established the NAACP chapter, and you all, this picture that we looked at earlier, was taken over there in Packers Bend, which was across the river. Can you remember in 1950 um, what that was like, knowing that you all were part of an organization that the state of Alabama had outlawed? Well, yes, uh, it really was a problem, but then on the other hand, it it just created a a detour type of program that we had. We realized that uh, even though it wasn't illegal operating in the state, but it had established a mindset. And particularly with Hillary Cunningham and Frank Marshall and James Marshall and 
several others of our leaders, Bill Bumpers and a bunch of them over in the Packers being able, that we realized that with the name of the NAACP or not, we had a personal obligations to carry on as if it was still in existence. And it didn't really stop our activity. It just stopped us probably for a moment from using the, the name of the NAACP. But in our hearts, we knew that we were still operating, we were still functioning, we still were doing the things that was necessary to do to keep our people uh, officially organized and working in the various communities all over the country. Mm-hmm. And even like I said, we, we were not going to get, we not going to operate under the name, but we still uh, kept the activities going. Uh, we had groups like Monroe County Leadership Action Committees, uh, Beatrice Group Action Committee, mm-hmm. and various different other committees that uh, were, were born out of the fact that the kind uh, and state had kind of abandoned uh, the NAACP, but in our hearts, we still were NAACP, and our uh, activities were still motivated in the same way that it had always been when it comes to the uh, operation of civil rights, because mm-hmm. we knew that things were not what they should have been, and that unless somebody stepped forward and started a movement, then it would never get there because it was necessary that uh, we organize and get the kind of, commi- kind of uh, membership uh, together and people who were thinking in uh, one mindset. And I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate that a lot of other names, I don't think we had time to go to call them all, but in all of the communities we had uh, leadership organizations, no kind of leadership action committee. And we had groups all over the county that uh, worked diligently to uh, keep this movement going and to bring it forward to where it is to date. I I, I dare not mention the fact that there was, even though there was a racial problem, but I, I can truthfully say that there were a lot of whites that some secretly and some openly that encouraged us diligently because they too recognized the fact that it was not right and that uh, they couldn't do it, but they could support us when we stepped out there and started to move it on. Okay. And uh, by the way, the, uh, the vice president of that first uh, 1963, um, well, prior to that, uh, Vice President was Mr. H.B. William. Uh, Mr. Willie Frank Marshall, at that time, was the president. Right. Um, I can remember um, from my early days of uh, my mother, uh, as well as uh, um, a lady that passed today, uh, Miss Easley, and some old ladies here in Beatrice, they would uh, sell over at the community center hot dogs, hamburgers, anything that, sausage, sandwich, whatever. For whenever you guys were out on the road, especially Mr. Cunningham, they would sell right. so that they would have could go to black hotels or wouldn't have to stop at the restaurants and, and eat. Those were people behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Miss Nana, do you recall at at any time uh, um, in in the past when those ladies would I I can remember as a kid running around they would be up there at the center selling stuff and it wasn't no free stuff you 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 had to have a dime a nickel something you had to come up with something to get some of that food because that money was gonna go to y'all for y'all travel when y'all was out there on the road. Um, well, first, Mr. William, what was that like to know that these women in this community, and I don't know about down there in Monroe or down there where y'all live, but I know about up here in Beatrice, would get together and cook that food and yeah. sell that food so y'all have stuff out on the road? We had ladies from all over the county, all every community in this county. Uh, every now and then, people, we would get together as a solid group. But each individual community, because black and Packer being, those people were kind of shut off mm. by the river. Mm. But uh, they, too, would participate and cooperate. And that took place, Frisco City, URAB, mm. all over the county. We had uh, little groups like that that supported mm. the movement. And, of course, uh, they were well uh, uh, organized and kept intact of the needs and whenever there was a need uh, they was always there. When in the action. Right. Ms. William, uh, do you recall anything in particular um, a trip or anything that that, that's, that sticks in your mind that really had you praying even harder when they was out there? Is there any particular date or anything that sticks in your mind that you could recall now? My job was to stay at home, take care of the children, protect him, mm-hmm. the children. But we did have people that supported us, but they didn't want to... Make it public? Make, pub, make it publicly yeah. because they didn't want their jobs to be taken away from yeah. them, too. So it was like it was like you said, it was a fearful thing. Mm-hmm. But we did get some support. Mm-hmm. I, I I can remember um, what most of people didn't understand was, and Mr. Cunningham used to tell me about this, and you can uh, uh, tell me your uh, position on it too, Mr. Williams. Just like Miss M- Williams said, the people that had the good jobs, right? The folk weren't doing too much. Yeah. They were scared of losing their jobs, right. so they had to lay low. And the ones that did help you guys, they had to make that almost secret. Mm-hmm. Because Mr. Cunningham used to tell me the the, the folks that they had the good jobs, you you didn't see them folks out front, right? Because the, the superintendents and whatever, just like they did you, Mr. William, would take their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they knew that. And huh? of course, they, that was that was. Uh, Understandable because they're going to use whatever they could to discourage it. But uh, I said one thing, and this was before I got into it, about Mr. Cunningham. He was not a fearful person about jobs or about his life or his health or anything else. Mm-hmm. He was uh, dedicated to that cause, and it was because of his dedication that encouraged me that. Somebody else had to stand out there with him. Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision uh, to get with him and to, help, to let him help me to organize groups 
in the various communities, but I, I give him all of the credit so far as the initial uh, stand was concerned because it seemed to me that he was fighting a battle by himself for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't seem to mind it. Even people that uh, sometimes rather than speak to him on if he in town, there are some black folks that will cross the street and go somewhere rather than let folks see them speaking, to, talking to Elder Cunningham. Mm-hmm. It was just that bad. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a result of that that, that that encouraged me to say, well, now somebody, the man is out there trying to help us, and somebody's going to have to come to his side and uh, assist him. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if he's out there by himself, then we have lost the battle. Because mm-hmm. he can't stand out there. No man can stand alone forever. Mm-hmm. You've tried a while, but you don't have to have some assistance. And as a result, we were able to uh, organize a few other leaders. I called some names a while ago and got the whole, got, got local leaders from all over the county and all the communities in the county mm-hmm. uh, to come together and formulate what we call the Monroe County Leadership Action Committee. And that was helped us to put this thing together and uh, oppose the system. And even though I lost the job, but I think I gained more than what I lost uh, in 10 years uh, of that uh, employment by the Board of Education. Mm-hmm. But thank God, I never missed a payment on a house note or a car note or a grocery bill or nothing else that I endeavored in. And I always had a few dollars in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for that. And I thank not only God, because I knew God that inspired uh, the citizens. It was because of the cooperation of these citizens that uh, we were able to survive and to fulfill our responsibilities. Okay. Um during the um, years that you guys were active uh, as an organization, uh, NAACP, uh, there were many challenges that faced y'all. But one of those challenges was that in Monroe County, uh, in the early uh, history of electing officials, um, there was a thing called districting. Mm-hmm. And uh, countywide, a black person could never get elected. So you guys brought a lawsuit, uh, litigation that, asked, that lasted for some over eight years. Right. And at the end of that, um, there was a compromise made with the county commissioners made uh, two districts out of four with uh, black majority voters. Right. Um, tell us about that battle and um, what led to that I, I, I kind of indicated what led to the battle, but tell us about the, this, that struggle prior to that and, and that battle itself in the courts. Well, when the courts do something, uh, even today, number one, it's very uh, influential because the courts has the last word. So in order to uh, change anything that the court said or did or even change their opinion about anything, it meant that we as a people then had to stretch out and strengthen our uh, power, if I can use that word, uh, because power was what it was all about, really. 
In fact, we come up with a word, and we and not, a lot of people didn't understand why, maybe, but the term black power came into existence because mm-hmm. that was already white power, mm-hmm. and it wasn't any black power because what little few people we had trying to do something, we were controlled primarily by white power. So it took a lot of emphasis being placed on black power and a lot of movements, and that was the thing that got us to start to organizing our people and to getting them to vote because we knew that the bottom line was when you got something that somebody wants or needs, then you got some power. But if you don't have any control over anything, then you don't have any power. So we start concentrating on uh, what we call the vote, which was what we named black power and the black vote. And even though we run into a lot of opposition, and sometimes that opposition would be among our own people, mm-hmm. but we didn't give up. We kept fighting and kept fighting until once we got a certain status, a certain percentage of our people registered to vote, we could begin to feel that the power was there because then the white politicians started recognizing us and at least now they would come and ask us to vote for them. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, they didn't even worry about coming to us to ask about voting for nothing mm-hmm. because they had the whole bag in their hand. Mm-hmm. So we, we could feel a sense of responsibility and we could feel a sense of power as we gradually uh, increased our voting strength and it's kind of in the state of Alabama all over. And that's another thing. We, we come up with state organizations. See, we had local groups, but then we come up with ADC, the Alabama Democratic Conference, mm-hmm. which was a statewide organization, black organization, uh, created by Joe Reed and others in the uh, Montgomery area. But it reached out, and all of the counties in the state had branch offices. And uh, I dare say that that... that, that, that uh, state Democratic Conference was very instrumental in uh, bringing about a change in the voting strength of getting black people organized and uh, wasn't necessarily fighting against the whites, but we were fighting for our people. And we put up all the efforts to get our people registered to vote, and then after we got them registered to vote, we had a system where we could pool those votes. And, of course, I don't know whether I uh, was so favorable of the idea of block voting or not, but mm-hmm. on our circumstances, that was the only way it was going to be effective. Mm-hmm. No point of beating our brains out to really vote, to vote for somebody else unless we were going to uh, get some results from those people. So when we got that block vote going and it became effective, uh, we didn't have to run black candidates all the time. Well, we could go our support to a certain white candidate, mm-hmm. and that candidate would recognize our efforts and uh, give us some of the things that we needed if they were elected. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were very successful in uh, getting black people elected, but we were also successful in, in, in getting some white voters elected, and they too uh, were appreciative and uh, threw some support our way as relates to their being elected. Okay. That uh, lawsuit, that litigation lasted for um, eight years, mm-hmm. and the financing of that litigation, um, can you remember any key 
organizations or people during that time that um, pool their resources or their land or whatever to pay those attorneys to handle that case because the litigation, uh, I imagine um, those in the power structures was hoping that uh, you all wouldn't last, but it did last, litigation did last for a total of eight years. How did y'all finance that? Well, we we appealed to the churches and the pastors and the Christians and many communities. And it was at this time that people like Mr. and Mrs. Howard, uh, Ro McIntosh, uh, Mr. Leo Bubbles, and Willie Williams, and Joe Foster, and uh, the Richardsons, and all, and, and many more that are throughout the county, because we were able to kind of, on a kind of wide basis, reach out and get black leaders uh, from the various communities. And they, in turn, would work with those communities and have fish fries and uh, cake sales and whatever it took to raise money to uh, help us to support our movement and to keep people uh, active because we, we, we just didn't have, mm-hmm. we weren't financially able to do it without this type of uh, cooperation. And it was through those efforts that I give every community in this county uh, who came to our aid and uh, in their own way uh, supported the movement. And mm-hmm. They may not have been seen openly, but mm-hmm. I can say for sure that every community in Monroe County helped mm-hmm. to support this movement. And today we're so happy that we can say, well, we give all of these mm-hmm. leaders and all communities credit for the efforts in getting this thing going. Let me say this uh, in regards to uh, people that are watching this and listening to this. That is what makes the black struggle so powerful. A lot of times we only see the person out front, but there are some things working behind the scenes to make it happen. Like Ms. William at home, making sure the kids safe and going back and forth to school and different things like that and not raising Issues that would bring attention to that 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 the, that the family would get harmed, you know. Uh, as a result of this litigation, the first person elected, as a result of this litigation being uh, settled, Mr. Alec Roberts became the very first black commissioner in Monroe County. Mm-hmm. Um, the second person to become commissioner as a result of this was Mr. Charlie, Car- Charlie McCorvey, Jr. He's uh, deceased now. And uh, one of the things that I experienced is when Reverend Brown was running for the Board of Education because of you guys re- getting that cell and so forth, redistricting the white community. I was told this story by a number of times by Mr. Cunningham, and you, could, you can help me out on your interpretation of it, that they allowed... first. One of the premises for the suit that the black couldn't get elected countywide. Right. So, what the white I was told you you correct me if I'm wrong. I was told that the white stayed away from the polls in order to get Mr. Brown elected to try to defeat the case, so that when you went back to federal court, the courts were saying they could say, "Look, well, we right. got a black elected countywide. It can be happening." What they that premises for the suit is unfounded. Explain to us. 
some of the workings of that and, and how you experienced that too. Give me your story on uh, what transpired during that time. Well, I guess psychologically some things started happening. See, the white politicians had an advantage over us because they had experience in political dealings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't take us long to copycat and catch on to what was going on. And we realized that uh, we were in a minority, but we had to manipulate that minority and uh, use it in a way that we could block a lot of things from happening, uh, even though we may not could stop it, but we could certainly change the, uh, the, the manner in which it was going to be carried out. And by in our predominantly black communities like Beatrice and Packard being, mm-hmm. we could uh, dominate there because we could elect all of the officials, uh, representatives from those particular areas. And we were able to do that. And, of course, they had voices on the county boards and whatever, statewide or whatever. And when you put it all together, the black power that we said we didn't like to talk of it as such, mm-hmm. but statewide, that black power, thanks to people like Joe Reed, and, uh, Turner, and many more, I can't think of all of the names, but mm-hmm. uh, utilized to get that black power organized statewide. And we began to get black representatives from the state, uh, from each districts and to change that political structure all over the state and then not only in Alabama but that started taking place in all states and we began to really feel the value of our black power movement because we began to put people in strategic positions that they could influence uh, the movements and of course occasionally I guess you're going to have one or two blacks that get in there and be influenced by the whites, but I think as a whole, and we can for surely say for her as our local county is concerned and uh, Wilcock and most of our counties around, our black officials stayed black and they fought and organized as black leaders and helped to bring about other black leaders and it made us more power and even today we have some black power that we can boast about as results of those black men and women who were able to stand tall back in the days of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my history of uh, returning here after my military time, uh, um, Mr. Kernham was my mentor. Right. And you. Um, I want to go back to my father, uh, uh, Willie Howard. That's how I found out about you and Miss Nanny. Mm-hmm. My father and you all's family, when we would go to Monroe, there was one of the people that Daddy was, was interacting with us as a family was was you, Mr. Weave. That's how. Right. That's how. Uh, my, my mom, uh, after my father passed, my mom's in your relationship lasted until she passed. Right. 
And that's how I first uh, became aware of you. And, and my father used to would talk about you and uh, Mr. Cunningham and uh, um, that relationship. If you can remember anything um, in relationship with my father working with you, any situation or anything other than being supportive of you uh, in that relationship, how... He and your mother were one of the strongest couples that we had in this district, in this era. And, of course, that was felt throughout the county because we had, like I said, we organized and we had strong leadership in every community in this county. And certainly on this end, Mr. and Mrs. Howard was number one, and they, she in particular, put on sales and baked cakes or whatever was needed to raise funds and help the churches in this era. Uh, I didn't mention Pastor McIntosh, who was a very staunch oh, man. Uh, civil rights leader yeah. in this era, mm -hmm. and for the whole county. And people like that, you just don't ever forget them. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, I could go on and on when it comes to individuals. Like I said a while ago, we had representation from all of the communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were very strong. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the best things that could have happened because when you have been brought up in a community where black people are taught to oppose black people oh, man. to disagree mm -hmm. and that becomes a part of your mentality it's kind of hard to turn that issue around mm -hmm. but thank God and I have to give him the credit because I don't think it was any of us as individuals that could have done it mm -hmm. without God's help but somehow uh, because we the few of the smaller uh, black leaders was able to come together and make contacts and uh, create uh, issues mm. that, 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 that brought the attentions of this nation and this kind the state uh, to the black leadership and began to recognize it as such. Mm. And instead of trying to push it back and keep it on the cover as they had done down through the years. Mm. But they too had to recognize that it was time for black people to come up be brought out front and uh, given the full privilege of voting rights and the full privilege of first-class citizenship. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't have the rights, we don't need to talk about you as a citizen if you're going to be deprived of your voting rights. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I remember uh, my dad telling me about the churches. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew about more new purchase up on the hill and Reverend McIntyre. Right. But my dad uh, would tell me about another church was down in Tonto Spring called Antioch, which yeah. is Antioch up on the hill now. Down in Monroeville, name some churches where NAACP meetings were held and where people would meet and plan strategies and things that y'all had to do. I, well, uh, we would do it at, well, in Monroeville, the two basic churches that we usually go to, the biggest churches there, and they were built there. And uh, Morning Star, which I was a member, and of course, we always had the cooperation of the pastors and the deacon boards and all that. Uh, 
to use them. But now when we spread out all over the county, we had our meetings at various churches. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, sometimes we, well, you always had, you, I, I feel that we had the support of all the pastors, even though the pastors, like in the rural churches, pastors didn't live in that community. Mm-hmm. So like Packers Bend and places like that, uh, the pastor may not be there, but we had the, the blessings of the pastors and the deacon boards and all that. And we were able to uh, coordinate and get those communities to cooperate. And it was through this means that we were able to get this political strength that we needed. And when we did start to uh, run in black candidates, we were able to uh, get some black candidates elected from all those areas, uh, black dominated, predominated uh, black communities. I, um, in my years of um, living here, I'm, I'm, I've reached that three score and ten that God promises, uh, and I'm working strictly on grace now, according to the Bible. Right. You guys, uh, you are how old, Mr. Williams? Eighty five. Eighty five. And then? Eighty three. Eighty three. Y'all y'all just like me and Mary. Me and Mary two different two years apart. <laughs> 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 but um think about some of the I can remember uh, <coughs> Mr. Crawford. Mr. Crawford used to tell me about um my father used to tell me about uh, Mr. Bob Crawford. I'm talking about on the hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to tell me about uh, my dad and Mr. Cunningham and and the clan. And uh, he used to tell me that my dad was the number one man with Monroe Eichner years ago. Mm-hmm. So for the clan and, and making sure the clan didn't get to where they needed to get to, who they wanted to get <laughs> to. Um, but tell me about some of the situations that occurred here in Monroe County. I know about the time that they tried to get to Mr. Cunningham. You may have some recollections of that, but tell me about some of the, um, I might say, escapes or getaways or whatever where the Klan had planned on one thing and something else occurred. Any of them, if you can recognize well, them or remember any of them. Some of them, I mean, some didn't materialize, but... There have been several indirect and behind-the-scene moves to kind of get us disorganized and discourage us from meeting and things of that nature. Uh, we've had some burning of crosses and some hood marches. I mean, I I can recall uh, when the when the crew crooks used to meet over the kind of uh, the uh, Coliseum. And of course, I live right across the street from the Coliseum, and they would meet and march and come out from the Coliseum right in front of my house and go through town with the hoods on and all that kind of stuff. But believe it or not, my children, and one of them is sitting here right now, they used to go out to the road and laugh at them and wave at them, and, 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 and not showing no fear. They thought they were there to play with them. They didn't know. They thought they were just like a a thank you parade or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't ever tell them no different. And uh, see, now a lot of parents were going, "Come on back here and get." I didn't say. They hide and then yeah. I didn't say a word to them. They'd be out there and holler at them all they want to. 
I imagine, I don't know who it was, <clears throat> but these men out of Beatrice, mm -hmm. all of them pull up in the yard, shine their lights up in the house. Mm -hmm. Talking about, Loretta, send that boy out here that run my wife off the road. Mm -hmm. Woo! You talking about quiet in the house? <laughs> Nobody there. That's the first time I heard mom cuss. Mm -hmm. Mom come out there. She didn't cuss at them, but she did cuss the road. She said that so-and-so road belonged to my son just as much. She didn't cuss her, his wife either as Miss Sadler. Now get out of my so-and-so yard mm -hmm. and walk back in the house. Mm -hmm. Man, them she cars stayed out there. I reckon they was, I don't know what they were doing, but the motors were still running, the lights still shining up in the house. And about 10, 15 minutes later, they all pulled out. Mm -hmm. She was, you had a tough mother. She was tough. She that was, was the first time I heard mama, mm -hmm. Loretta Howard cuss. Mm -hmm. She was tough. But that was my experience of what they could do and what they would do to you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was in 1964. Mm -hmm. That's just one example. There's yeah. plenty of them. Yeah. Right they were doing a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Do you remember the situation with Mr. Cunningham when they were trying to get to him? Well, they was always trying to <coughs> smaller groups and sometimes <coughs> bigger groups, but mm -hmm. uh, he would tell me about a lot of issues where he had uh, confronted uh, opposition, sometimes close up. And sometimes it directly uh, from an individual white mm -hmm. who would uh, curse him out and say things to him or about it. But he said he just ignored it and kept right on doing what he had to do. Mm -hmm. He used to tell me about um, his wife, Miss Addie. Yeah. Man, he, he, he said that uh, that the, the white folks, the board, and he said so many folks tried to do stuff to him. Mm -hmm. and, and and he would tell me if it weren't for Miss Addie and her her working, you know, for the for the for the board of education, and, and right. he, he would say she would when she get through talking to him, he could go out and <laughs> 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 it fire him up. Mm -hmm. But that I, I can imagine Miss Nanny, that's that's how you mm -hmm. kind of kept yours going. Mm -hmm. I, I know you uh, said it several times, but. Um, that's what gave the men the power to go out there, a supportive wife. Well, I, I, I give her credit because she stood tall, and a lot of mothers would have probably, because I've seen cases where a mother sometimes almost snatch a child's arm off when he step out in front of something like that. But uh, she knew them children were right there, and she knew what they were doing and saying. But she never worried about it. She didn't say nothing about it. She let them say what they wanted to say. After all, they was on their side of the street and, in, and on their property. Mm. And they, they, they could stand out there and yell back at them all they wanted to. And so then none of them come over there on that side and mm. attempt to bother mm. And I don't think they had no intention of doing that. No, it was just creating mm. that little filth thing that they do, putting that little rose on and marching through time. Back then, that did carry this feel, but I feel reasonably sure mm -hmm. that it was our actions then that destroyed that fear of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. Black folks just ignored them mm -hmm. because if they went too far, 
when they come over to get us, some of us are going to get some of them, mm -hmm. one way or the other. It's going to be a race war. Mm -hmm. And thank God it didn't get to that. Okay, there's one other question I want to ask you. Was well, a couple more, but uh, Dr. Martin Luther King um, never set foot in Monroe County. Now, um, there is one story as to why that occurred. I heard that from Mr. Cunningham. But from your recollection, what was the story behind when he was right over the next door in Wilcox County? What was what was your recollection of that particular incident? Why he didn't come? I'm not fully sure of the real reason why he didn't, mm -hmm. but I don't think it was fear on his part. Uh, it may have been that he just didn't get the right invitations from the right people to come for a particular a given program. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, now in a lot of cases he went places where he didn't have to have an invitation. He just went because there was a need. Mm -hmm. And uh, we may have, well, actually Monroe kind of has, I won't say it's been a perfect, by no means, mm -hmm. race relations, but I can say that I feel that race relations in Monroe County has not been nearly as bad in Monroe County because I grew up here as a boy. And I used to play with a little white boy right there uh, where the water board is now. He and I would ride all over town on our bicycles and tricycles and go up there and play in the coat house yard. And I was a year or two older than him. His mother would give me the money to go to the drugstore every day. We'd go up there and we'd go in the drugstore and had the bars. They did the kind of bar on the, the stools at the bar. Mm -hmm. and, and, and at the drugstore, blacks could only just go to that front ice bar and all the things across the county. Mm -hmm. But me and that boy went in there and said, now we're cool, now we're just seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. But every day he and I go in that drugstore and sit up on the kind of stool, white folks sitting on both sides of it. Nobody said a word. Man in there, no question. Because mm -hmm. I understood later on the reason was because I happened to be with her grandson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and everybody knew what was going to happen if she messed with her grandson. I have uh, really enjoyed um, talking to you, and I want to say to our listeners. We have covered, um, in the recollection of all of our minds, what comes to the top of our mind that really sticks out in the mind about our, our past as here in Monroe County and Mr. H. B. William and uh, his relationship with, as a civil rights activist and, and some of the trials and tribulations that he went through, him and his family, to get where we are. Let's move up to um, modern, uh, what you might say, modern times, well, all times, well, 40, 50 years, still modern time, but... Currently, uh, I know um, I've sat with you at your house there, and you talk about issues in, that you have been involved in and in, in, in dealing with so forth legal things. Uh, is there anything, uh, what I say, more than time in the last 10 or 12 years that you've had to deal with that comes to mind that still reminds you of the struggle of uh, black-white uh, relationships, and even though it's changed some, but... Uh, that lets you know that it's still here? Mm -hmm. Well, yes, I guess it's a lot of things. 
course, I think I'd like to say, first of all, that the, the positive things, uh, before we get into too much of the negative, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm very pleased with the fact that Monroe County, I think, I'm talking about the whites, the power structure now. Mm-hmm. I think that it was accepted a little better here than it was in most other counties in the state. Uh, issues come up, and of course they were handled in a very intelligent manner. And there were one or two maybe extremes where blacks was kicked to the curb. But for the most part, I think our leadership, our political leadership, Mm-hmm. And Monroe County has been very well established because somebody, and it had to be the whites, had enough foresight mm-hmm. to open the door for blacks to be elected officials and to give them jobs that was previously given to all whites. And with the uh, coming of Banter Fair Mill in Monroe County, mm-hmm. and Monroe in particular, uh, where blacks and whites, basically women, mm-hmm. were hired, but they hired, including my wife, mm-hmm. and she was there on an equal basis and an equal pay basis, and so were some others. And I think those were door openers uh, for showing that Monroeville and Monroe County was uh, interested in the upgrading of the race relations in Monroe County, and we had some very open-minded political leaders, judges, lawyers, things of that nature, who uh, saw to it that even though there were more blacks in the courthouse than whites, naturally, but still they tried to go all out to be sure that justice was mm. dealt mm. in a uh, equal and fair share. Mm. Okay. Um, to wrap it up, um, you first, Ms. Nanny. Um, anything you would like for the people to know in regards to um, those three score and ten plus? <laughs> Years, Monroe County, and uh, race relations. It goes way back. Freddie, I could tell you when uh, we used to, like you said, about race and all, you know. Mm-hmm. Ku Klux started back in, what, the 40s somewhere? Mm-hmm. And where uh, the Mockingbird. Most, uh, apartments sitting right now mm-hmm. down in that area. It has improved itself, but we had to, like you said, go through a struggle to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to Vanity Fair in '64, uh, right after, right after Christmas. I got hired, and it wasn't easy. Because at that time, or during that time, they refused to have more than two blacks at a time in the plant. Because, mm-hmm. like, my dad worked there in night, started working there in 1939. He was oh. the first black 
at Vanity Fair as a boiler. And then they had a black woman to come in as cleanup girl. Mm-hmm. In fact, they, after they added the other plants, mm-hmm. they added hide more black women to clean up, and that's all they would do is clean up. But my point is that when I applied for the job, I really wasn't going to clean up or sew or none of that stuff. I wanted to be a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. But they wasn't ready for book black bookkeepers at that time, and they made that clear. The, the owners wanted us to what, sew. Mm-hmm. I sold five years. And after five years, I had another child, and I went back and I examined the the mm-hmm. garments that I sold five years. So I, I really worked at ten years. And after that, you know, we moved on. But after, uh, I said maybe three, two, three years, they started hiring a, a lot of black women, mm-hmm. which was needed because our people needed a job, like you say. Mm-hmm. And through, it all, through all of that, they had, they were questioning you about these things. Did you not know that? Mm. What y'all gonna do with your money? <laughs> oh yes, you make money out here. What y'all gonna do with it? <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? No. Yes, they I did. Never. What y'all gonna do with the money? They were making money. They even questioned me. Mm-hmm. And we wasn't getting but what twenty? How much? Two dollars and fifty cents a oh. an hour. Mm-hmm. And what you gonna do with that money? I said, you know what? I just want to make some money to take care of my family. Well, a lot of people worked there, wanted to build a house, wanted to, they needed homes to live in, and a car to ride. We didn't need that. We already had that. So mm-hmm. our point, point was, like I told my husband, many days I didn't want to go because of the Atmosphere. attitude that yeah. toward us black people. Yeah, it's, it got better, but you know what? Through all of that, we had to do a dozen, at least a day. And if you didn't make your time, they let you go home. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I didn't make my time, but they let me stay there. Mm-hmm. Because I lived in town, and if those girls that, I'm just sharing this because, like, they don't know why they were still there. Mm-hmm. And some of those girls, before they left there, they were making $100 a day. And I couldn't make $100 a week. <laughs> I couldn't make $100 a week. We were just making fifty dollars a week. Every two weeks you get paid, right? That's a hundred dollars. So, I, it was a good thing for us. And then when they got so greedy, they started cutting the time. Sooner or later, you know, what is it? Uh, the loom place bought her, bought them out. Fruit of loom. Fruit of a loom. Mm-hmm. So that kind of downgrade our people. Mm-hmm. But our people were able to get and buy and have what they needed before they shut it down. So I'm I'm proud of that because we had a chance to, you know, enjoy some of the riches too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now we still in a at a standstill. Mm-hmm. Our people are still struggling. Where are we going from here? How are we gonna get there? You know. Yeah, those are my questions. Mm-hmm. We're on welfare, you know, and more, mm-hmm. a lot of other things. But we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good after they opened the doors for us. Mm-hmm. 
but it was hard to get in that plant, Mr. Power. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Mr. William, um, wrap it up for us from your perspective of race relations here at Monroe County and, and how you've been blessed and how far you've come and to this day um, where we are right now. Oh, I might well start with saying uh, an old song that went like this. Came a long ways from St. Louis, but we still got a long ways to go. We ain't quite home yet. Oh, it's progress. A lot of openings and a lot of things, but that's still that touch of racism that is, and the objectives are still the same. It's just not as obvious as it has always been. And hopefully it will eliminate itself completely. I'm praying for that. Even before I die, I hope to be able to see a day when there is no racism or no racial prayer. But as long as there are different people, you're probably going to find some touch of racism. Uh, and especially when it's going to find... It, the, the biggest problem with uh, where it is most pre- prevalent is going to be in economics. Mm-hmm. If, if we could get equal opportunities in the financial field and the economical system where everything was completely equal, at that time I think that over a period of time people would be able to move themselves up to an era where everybody would just look at everybody as an individual and not as a black or white or Indian or whatever, red or yellow. And we're coming closer to that, but we're not quite home yet. And we're still fighting. We ain't don't, when I sit here and talk, I'm not just talking in the past, because I realize that there's a distance ahead of us. And even though I know that there are some young leaders coming on, but I also know that I can't throw up my hands. I can't stop now. And as long as I live, i got to keep on moving because that's a problem. And there's no need of us fooling ourselves saying that we are home free because there's still a lot to be accomplished. And those of us that's in leadership positions are going to have to advance our methods, but we don't have to, can't afford to say, stop and say, well, we done made it. Because we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. H.B. William Homer, uh, Ms. Nanny, I would like for both of you to give me your full name. And uh, for the record, Ms. Nanny, you first. I'm Nanny Ruth Madison Williams. And Mr. William? Homer Beecher. B-E-E-C-H-E-R Williams Alright I thank you all and I thank your daughter uh, Andretta for filming and uh, documenting voice as well Thank you, appreciate you inviting me Thank you Alright You've been just listening to Living Live History coming from 231 Sixth Avenue from Mr. Homer B. Williams and Ms. Nanny Williams um, Civil Rights Activists and still going strong today on House Evil Gospel Blog Talk Radio. 
stay with us, and uh, we'll see you next time on House Even Gospel History in Alabama. All right. All right. That sounds good. You have made it to the top there, Fred. <laughs> with them at eye level, and then on this corridor, they begin to rise. And then you get to this corridor, and this is when you begin to confront the scale of all of these lynchings. Whoa. This is something. Yes. Yes. We wanted people to have a sense of just the scale of what this violence, what this terrorism was. So this is over 4,000 yeah. that have been documented, but of course there are more. Thousands more. Thousands more. Thousands more. And will we ever even know how many? We will never know. Every name has its own story. Yes, that's right. This was a minister, Reverend T.A. Allen, who began talking to sharecroppers about their rights. And because he was doing that, the plantation owners, the, the landowners got together and they, they lynched him. And the proof they used that he was somebody worthy of lynching is that when they found his body, uh, he had a piece of paper that talked about sharecropper rights. And the other piece of paper he had in his suit jacket was a note that said, every man a king. Mm. A lot of these folks were lynched because they showed too much dignity. They showed too much humanity. He just wanted to be respected as a human being. Mm -hmm. And it got him hanged.
down taking care of business, as he always does. You know, um, the story of uh, the lynchings, part of the history of this country we call America, Ofer Rooney gets the first look inside the memorial to the victims of lynchings. Stevenson's heading away again on jogging and checking the memories of America. The new memorial is dedicated to the thousands of victims of lynching that took place over a 70-year period following, following the Civil War. Ofer Winfrey brings 60 minutes cameras into a new memorial dedicated to the thousands of victims of lynching that took place over a 70-year period following the Civil War. It will be the first time the public sees the inside of the structure and its 805 steel markers, each bearing the name of people murdered, often with thousands of onlookers in a picnic-like atmosphere. A report will be tomorrow on 60 Minutes, April the 8th, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Pacific Time on CBS. You have an opportunity, you need to look at it. Each marker represents a state, county, and contains the names of victims of documented lynchings from that area. The memorial takes up six acres in the heart of Montgomery, Alabama. Perhaps the best known city in the struggle for civil rights, Alabama, also the scene of 361 documented lynchings. Among the more than 4,300 cases of lynching documented by Stevenson and his team were the story of Jesse Washington, a black man accused of a crime in Waco, Texas. One team member, criminal defense attorney Cy Sanit, found a newspaper account of the Washington member murders she tells Wintry it describes a crowd of 15,000 many dressed in their Sunday best. The power of the past of this place we call America. I think about my small town here in Beatrice and my life travels as a young man and my falls and mistakes and things like that and how God has brought us so far and how we even today, in the small town of Beatrice, we can't get along like we should. We clamor for each other's throats and things like that. We seem on the surface like we care for each other, but we kill each other with our deeds and our thoughts and our underhanded transactions and our underhanded backstabbing deals that we make. The awful power of God is in the affairs of man, and he's not blind. He's not blind to my mistakes and my faults. He's not blind to yours mistakes and your faults. But one thing is for sure. God really loves humanity. But humanity has shown the most evil sides of itself in many facets of humanity. You can think of thousands and thousands of injustices to each that we do to each other. With that in mind, we hope that you pay attention to what's taking place in and around America. And guess what? Our day is coming.
And I dare say our day may be here already. God is not mocked. In spite of my own iniquity, I wrestle with my own shortcomings. And I hope you wrestle with yours. And you call out to Jesus Christ, God Almighty, your Creator. Because He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father where He's been for over 2,000 years waiting to hear you say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Jesus, God Almighty, our Creator, He truly loves you. Good evening, good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are, God is right there with you. You're listening to House C Production Gospel, Blog Talk Radio. You can find us all over the internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash housey-production-gospel. We are your internet radio station. Sit back and relax and enjoy more of House C Production Gospel, Blog Talk Radio.
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What's going on in your world as we asked before? We hope everything is going well. God is always there wherever you are, whatever you're doing. He is right there with you. Special shout out to all of the folks around here in Beatrice and Tunnel Springs, Peterman, Riley Cross, and Mac William. Some of the folks in Texas like Brenda Howard. All of the folks that we've known in this business over the years, like Tony Sharper, Atlanta, by way of Florida, Henry Beach, all kinds of good folks all around us. Mr. Hal J over there in Camden, everybody getting ready for the True Praise Radio Awards coming up soon. www.notoriousdesigns.com for award-winning graphics and web designer. Check out www.notoriousdesigns.com. You're listening to How C Production Gospel, Blog Talk Radio, www.blogtalkradio.com, How C Production Gospel. We are your internet radio. Good evening, good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are, God is right there with you. You're listening to How C Production Gospel, Blog Talk Radio. You can find us all over the internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash housey-production-gospel. We are your internet radio station. Sit back and relax and enjoy more of Housey Production Gospel, Blog Talk Radio. (laughs) 